Morning, church. What a blessing and an honor and a beautiful opportunity to be able to assemble to worship our God and to sing a hymn like, I love my Savior too. To love God more than we love our sin is the challenge of the day, right? To love God more than we love ourselves is the challenge for each of us. And so we thank our God for the love that we're able to muster up for Him. And today you've demonstrated your love by being here to worship our God. And we thank you for that. Let's go together to God in a word of prayer, please. Merciful and kind, righteous and wonderful God in heaven. Heavenly Father, we praise your holy and divine name and thank you for this beautiful day and this beautiful occasion in which you've granted to us the opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray, Lord God, that our worship will and has been pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And that, Lord God, we have honored you in our hearts and in our minds. We pray, Lord God, that you will accept our worship today as we honor and think about Jesus, our great King and Lord and Savior. Bless us, Lord God, to keep our minds from worldly thought. We might focus only on you, on your word, on your will, and on your way. These things we pray. And that wonderful, magnificent, most awesome, holy and precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to be thy will. Amen. It is great to see you here this morning, both members and visitors alike. We thank you for your attendance and presence with us. We are continuing um, our lesson series of looking at Jesus um, all throughout the Bible. We're looking specifically in the Old Testament and bringing out just points, if you will, reference points that we might recognize and identify Jesus as he is referred and revealed to us in types and uh, symbols and significant situations and also through direct utterances. We're down now to the book of Jeremiah, moving forward. Chapter 23, Jeremiah chapter 23, Jesus. I love saying that, I want to say it again, Jesus. Jesus. Just can't get enough of Jesus, right? Can't get enough of Jesus. Jeremiah 23, um, verse 5. The Bible says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I shall raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved. And Israel will dwell securely as this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. Chapter 33, please. And verse 14. Chapter 33 and verse 14. The Bible there says, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good word which I have spoken concerning the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch of David to spring forth and he shall execute justice and righteousness on the earth. In those days, Judah shall be saved and Jerusalem shall be, shall dwell in safety. And this is the name by which she shall be called. The Lord is our righteousness. For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. The righteous branch 
Psalm, please. Chapter 89. The righteous branch. The Lord our righteousness. And then God in Psalm 89 brings to us or introduces to us this idea of the luminaries of the sky as an example of faithfulness. So listen to what it says. Psalm 89, beginning at verse 35. The Bible says, Once I have sworn by my holiness, and I will not lie to David, his descendants shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever like the moon, and the witness in the sky is faithful. The luminary. He brings out the sun. He brings out the moon. And he brings out the idea that the witness in the sky is faithful. Why does he do that? I want us to just go back to Jeremiah for just a moment and think about evidence. God has given evidence to his people that Jesus Christ will forever sit on a throne. But not just a throne. We'll get a little further into that a little later in the lesson. But the throne of God. The unbroken covenant of God is exemplified through the unbroken covenant that you see in the sky. Jeremiah 31, beginning at verse 35. The Bible says, Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day, and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stares up the sea so that its waves roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then the offspring of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. So here's this intermingling of the covenant of God. And he says, I want you to think about what you see every single day. And what you've seen every single night of your individual lives recognizing that God has given to us a faithful witness, the luminaries in the sky, the sun and the moon. And he says, that is my fixed order. That is my covenant that cannot be broken. And then he asked the question, has it ever been broken? And our answer would be, no, it's always been. Verse 37, thus says the Lord, if the heavens above can be measured and the foundation of the earth searched out below, then I will also cast off all the offspring of Israel for all that they have done, declares the Lord. Now, now go back to chapter 33, or forward rather, and look at verse 19. 33 and verse 19. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Thus says the Lord, If you can break my covenant for the day and my covenant for the night, so that day and night will not be at their appointed time. Then my covenant may also be broken with David, my servant, that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne and with the Levitical priest, my ministers. God says, if you can break that covenant, then the promise and the covenant that I've made that David would forever have someone sitting on the throne can be broken. 
This is our evidence that Jesus Christ every day reigns and sits on the throne of David. Look at the luminaries. Look at the sun. Look at the moon. And that's our evidence. Luke, please, chapter 1. We know that God is in control. We say that God is in control. We believe that God is in control. Well, if you believe the sun is going to come up tomorrow, I think Annie sang that song. If you believe that the moon is going to shine at night, then you have to believe that Jesus is forever on the throne. What a gift. Luke chapter 1 and verse 31. He sits forever on the throne. The Bible says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, the unbroken covenant. He sits as king and he reigns over the whole world, but he sits as king on the throne of God in the heavens and reigns over the church. In verse 33, the Bible says, And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And so why is the church of Christ still here? Because Jesus sits on the throne and reigns as king. Church, we have, turn to Matthew chapter 16. We have so much to be thankful for in this, this persecuted body of believers. From, from day one, A.D. 33, this persecuted body of believers that should be no more still reigns, still exists, still has the power of prayer, which tells us that God is still adding to the number of saved people, which means that God is still saving people, which means that we still have a job to do. Matthew 16 and verse 18, Jesus, through his conversation with Peter and the apostles, he says, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you shall loose on the earth shall be loosed in heaven. The words church and kingdom are interchangeable. Jesus sits as king over his kingdom. Jesus sits as king over his church. Back to Jeremiah, please. Chapter 31. Jesus is the way of the new covenant, which God promised beforehand. And that new way is the church. It's the church. I'm going to talk more about that in just a second. And Jeremiah is prophesying about this branch of righteousness, this king who sits. In verse 31, the Bible says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them and on their heart I will write it and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach again each man his brother or his neighbor, excuse me, and each man his brother saying, know the Lord 
for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them declares the Lord for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more thank you God so he established this kingdom and Isaiah the messianic prophets he he, he introduces the idea to us as well of the house of God. So you have the church of God. You have the kingdom of God. You have the house of God. Turn back to Isaiah, please. Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 5. You have the kingdom of God. Jesus will reign forever over the church. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Jesus. You just can't get around Jesus. Verse 5. To them I will give in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name that is better than the sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name which will not be cut off. You see, as long as Jesus is on the throne, the church will forever exist. And people can hate it, and they can persecute it, and members can become unfaithful, and folks can walk away from it, but it will forever exist because it cannot be destroyed. You see, when we think of prophecy, the church didn't just appear one day. It all came through the prophecy it all came through Jesus. The prophets have made known to us, again in verse 5, to them I will give in my house and within my walls a memorial. You see, the church doesn't belong to us. We belong to Jesus. See what happens in the church? What happens in the church is this. We become too big for God. And then we don't think we need God any longer. And then we do all this other stuff. But you see, the church belongs to God. God doesn't belong to the church. God is the king over the church. Within this house, if you will, this belongs to Jesus. You and I, we belong to Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And so Ken brought up this morning in his Bible class, humility, we have to be humble to our God because we belong to him. Sometimes, sometimes the way that we talk and the way that we act, it, it, it almost seems like we, we may think that the roles have reversed, that God, God has to forgive us. Have you ever thought about that? You ever thought about that? You ever heard someone say, well, you know, God has to forgive us. No, he doesn't. God chooses to forgive us. He doesn't have to. Right? So when someone says, well, you know, um, uh, we, got, we have to change the church. No, you may not. Only God can change the church. In other words, we don't run it. It runs us. Right? We, the body of Christ, must live and be what God wants us to be. The world changes and will change forever, but the church can never change. 
Right? Hmm. I know everybody's quiet on that one. That's all right. We'll get there. Verse 15, he says. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you may know how one ought to conduct himself. Remember the prophecy. In the household of God. Well, what is the household of God? Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. You ever had someone, turn to Hebrews, please, chapter 3. You ever had someone try to um, convince you that God changes with the time? I believe that too. Someone told me that and taught me that when I was when I was unchurched, and I said that makes sense. You know, God changes with the times. You know, God knows. You know, these are different times now, and so God has a change with the times, right? Don't believe that lie. You know, how the world tells us, look, we don't want you up there talking, using hate speech as declared by the world. Don't believe that lie. And when, when the world says to us that we have to change along with the world, that we're old-fashioned, don't believe that lie. When the world starts telling us, well, you know, the church needs to evolve like the rest of us, don't believe that lie. God is the king, and we are the subjects, and we must all surrender forever to the king. And so Hebrews tells us, chapter 3, in verse 5, it says, Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of the hope or our hope firm until the end. Look, we are in, we are guests in the house of Jesus. Right? Remember that. Right? You know how we act when we're guests in someone else's home? Right? We follow the rules. We have to follow the rules. Every single one of us. What I love about God is that He's consistent. Right? Turn to Hebrew, uh, Acts chapter 11, please. He is consistent. Uh, he is unchanging. He is unwavering. And you don't have to walk on eggshells. You just need to follow the law. Right? He just needs to do what God says and everything's going to work out. Thank you, Jesus. Right? He made it easy for us. He made it simple for us. He simplified it. And he says, look, this is the way that I run my house. <laughs> this is it. Right? Thank you, God. So we have to know how to act or how to respond within the house of God. How do we live within the house of God? Acts 11 and verse 26 you have to love Acts 11. So Acts 9, you know, uh, Saul is wreaking havoc in Acts 8. And then in Acts 10, uh, the household of Cornelius, the first converts, if you will, the Gentiles, are now made members of the body of Christ. And then they go on their missionary journeys. In chapter 11, they begin this missionary journey. The Holy Spirit separates out Paul and Barnabas for this missionary journey. And it's not until God brings all races together, all of them, all the people come together as you find in verse 26, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it came about that for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Not until we were one were they called Christians. Think about that. You go back and read the context, you'll see it. 
Not until they were one were they actually called Christians. And it was first found in Antioch, the place where they all became one. Christians. What are you? You're a Christian. Nothing more and nothing less. You ever heard folks say we're Church of Christers? No, you're not. What is that? You're a Christian. Right? Turn to Romans 16, please. We're Christians. And as we live for Jesus, you find that, that in the first century, I want you to think about this for a moment. In the first century, there was only one church. Jesus only spoke of one church. I'm going to build my, I'm going to go back and read that. I'm going to build my church. He didn't say I'm going to build churches. The prophecy didn't say he was going to build churches. The prophecy said I'm going to build one church. When did that change? When did that change? When men began to run the church and defy the king. Listen, Romans 16, 16. You start in verse 1 and you read all the way through and you find all these congregations meeting together in different locations. Some were meeting in houses, some were meeting in synagogues, some were meeting in certain buildings. They were meeting everywhere in different locations. And finally, he says, he summarizes it all. And he says in verse 16, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send their greetings. The church of God, the bride of Christ, the church of Christ. God gave us a name to identify, right? A name that identifies the location, if you will, of our relationship with Christ. We are the ecclesia, the called out. We are the people of God. We are the church. That's her name. That's us. The people who belong to Jesus. We are the people who belong to Christ. That's why it's called the church of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. He married the church. We, we are the, the, if you will, the church of God because he is God who came down. We are what God designed through prophecy and brought us to this day. We are the people who belong to the way. The persecuted way. Are you a part of the way? Yeah, I'm a part of the way. Rome was destroying, if you will, in their own hearts and minds. They were persecuting the one church, the only church that existed in that time from the prophecy all the way to Jesus and all the way to today. And it still exists because of God. Not because of us. Let's not get it backwards. It does not exist because of us. It exists because of God. You know, Russia's bombing Ukraine. And the church, what are they doing? Spreading the gospel. Baptizing folks. Talking about Jesus. Saying, don't worry about what happens in this life. Don't worry about it. You got a home in heaven with God. And they're over there teaching people. They're baptizing people. They're bringing folks to Christ. Trying to realign our thinking, if you will, about life. Remember our brethren. We pray for our brethren who are suffering throughout the world. You know, there was about 500 years later when another church came along. Isn't that amazing? So what happened? We, we became too smart, didn't we? Humans. We, we became a little too smart. Turn to Isaiah, please, chapter 2. And it began in Jerusalem. All of this in the prophecy. It began in Jerusalem as God commanded for it to be. Churches of Christ were persecuted by the Romans, persecuted by the Jews, 
persecuted by others, barbarians, heretics, and also themselves. And that's sad, isn't it? That the church began to ruin itself, right? We, we see it today, don't we? we? We become our own enemies instead of being what God, because we've, got, we've gotten too smart. Jesus, 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 have I surrendered my life to Jesus? And the prophecy says that this kingdom, that Jesus reigns over as king, will never, ever be destroyed. How many of you believe that? Let's look at the prophecy. Isaiah chapter 2. The word which Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah, verse 1, and Jerusalem. Now it will come about that in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. All right, he said it once. And then turn to Micah, please, chapter 4, to make sure that we get it, right? He, he says it again, says it in basically in the same exact words. Verse 1, Micah 4 and verse 1. And it will come about in the last days that the mountains of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. And it will be raised above the hills and the peoples will stream to it. And many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob. that He may teach us about his ways that we may walk in his paths. For from Zion will go forth the law, even the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, the church. And many nations, not just the Jews, everybody, the whole world is going to stream to it. Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. And then he says, when I establish this kingdom, I want you to listen to the wording, if you will, about it never being destroyed. See, the Babylonians, they were destroyed. The Medes, the Persians, the Greeks. The Romans, you know, every kingdom, every nation. But not this kingdom. Not this, because the branch, the branch, Jesus reigns as king forever. As long as you see the sun, and as long as you see the moon, you know that Jesus Christ is still sitting on the throne. And so when you go through persecution, and when you go through struggles in your life, just look up. Just look up. But look beyond the sun. Look up to Jesus. Verse 44 says, And the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put to an end all of these kingdoms, but it. Now he should have said them. But he didn't say them. 
He said it itself will endure forever. That's not a typo. And then when you go over to Matthew chapter 16, we'll go right back there. We read it earlier. I'll read it again. In verse 18, I want you to hear what Jesus himself says. Based upon the confession of Peter, they were traveling to the coast of Caesarea and Philippi. Jesus asked the question, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And then Peter gave answers. And then finally, he came up with the understanding of the only true answer that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then God said, blessed art thou, Simon, Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven revealed this. And I also say to you that you are Peter, verse 18, and upon this rock, this confession, I will build some churches. That is not what he said. I will build my... Why do we have a hard time with that? Why, why do we, the church of Christ, have a hard time with that? I'll tell you why. Because we believe the world more than we believe God. Look, you can't change the prophecy. And you cannot change the fulfillment of the prophecy. And we have to understand who we are. We are God's children. Stand up and be counted. Stand up and be different. Stand up and be what God expects us to be. And I also say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not or shall not overpower them. That's not what it says. It, just like the prophecy. So either God's a liar or God's always told us the truth. You see, it's not God who struggles with his law. It's us. Ephesians, please, chapter 3. We have a responsibility. We have a job to do. I love what a sister said the other day. Look at my fruits. We have fruits to bear. Kenya said it this morning. Our fruits. We have to go out in the world and show them something different. Show them the, instead of the doom and gloom of this world and walking around with, with our depressed looks on our faces, stand up and be counted. Smile for Jesus. Be happy that God opened up the door of salvation to the world, to you and to me. Ephesians 3, verse 8. Listen to our responsibility. To me, the very least of all the saints... This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things in order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known What? What are you saying? All right. So the manifold, the eternal, the eternal plan of God and the manifold wisdom of God is going to be made known through something. What did he say? The church. That, who is that? That's us. We are supposed to reveal to the world God's will for humanity. 
Knowing, again, verse, verse, um, verse 10. In order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers. That's everybody, right? And authorities in the heavenly places. We even preach in angels. In the heavenly places, we're even putting Satan in his place. Because God says, no, you can persecute this thing, but it's going to last forever. And every day that someone's added to the body of Christ, God is showing Satan. We're preaching to Satan. We're proclaiming every first day of the week. We are proclaiming to Satan and the world that Jesus died, but he got up. And that's what we're doing. And verse 11, it says... This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me give you one more scripture and we're going to go home. Lamentation. The book of Lamentation. Satan cannot win. You may struggle, we all struggle in, in one way or another. But Satan cannot win. Satan will not win. We have already won. We win. We've won. You know, I, I don't know about you, but if you, you've uh, participated in anything where you win something, you know, a graduation, for example, everyone throws a hat, you know, tilt the, throw the hat. We're so excited, right? Throw your hat in the air, brother. We are victorious. We have won every day. We're demonstrating the power of God. What we just did, do this in remembrance of me. We have shown the world and Satan that we've won again. We keep winning and we cannot lose. In the most devastating time, I guess maybe, maybe not the most devastating time, but, but at least in the Babylonian era, for the Jews, as they suffered, as Jerusalem was sieged, Listen to what we now sing, what we sing in our worship services. Listen to what Jeremiah says. Verse uh, 19, Lamentation chapter 3. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. God is good. And this morning, maybe there's someone who says, teach me more about the church. We'd love to study with you. This morning, there may be someone that would like to surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism. We, we'd like to have that happen for you. As you've heard his word, and you believed it, and you've been studying it, and you, you're willing to repent. You have godly sorrow in your heart. And you're willing to confess his name and be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of your sins. And then stay faithful and true. And if you're struggling this morning in your faith and your walk with Jesus, if we can help you, we can pray with you or pray for you. Please make that known. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation. God bless you all. Thank you for your time.
saints 